All right. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And yes, uh, being here uh, 10 years has shown me uh, something, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's that some of you have gotten a whole lot older, um, uh, in the last 10 years. It's amazing. Uh, no, when I got here, my hair was blonde. I don't know if y'all remember that. So, uh, anyway, but no, it is a neat thing. And, uh, and thank you so much. Uh, also too, I wanted to tell you, um, if, if you have, uh, I've got something I'm real excited about and be listening for it because I have to get the exact time for want to do it on a Sunday or Wednesday, but I'd like to meet with everybody who's in the choir or everybody who would like to be in the choir uh, or everybody who's ever been in a choir before. Uh, I've got some ideas of some things I want to, I want to talk to you a lot about, but it's going to be about in the, it's, I'm going to be gone this week to camp. So it's going to be in a, in a little over a week, but be watching for that. And, uh, all of you that are in the choir, you'll know quick. Cause I'll just email you quick and you'll know, but the rest of you, I'll try to keep announcing because, uh, because I got some neat things. I'll, I'd like to buy y'all lunch and, uh, and share with you some thoughts. So, uh, anyway, that'll be coming up. I wanted to kind of let you know that. All right. So Genesis chapter two, somebody has come to you and said, Jeff, you know, it's July and you're still in Genesis two. What does that mean? I said, I understand. I understand. But once we get to some of the narrative and biograph- biographical things, you know, characters of the scriptures, uh, it'll go faster. But these first parts, we're only going to cover one verse today, all right? Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of verses, but we're only, as far as Genesis goes, we're only going to cover one because it was one to me that is so pivotal. And, I, and you understanding, you know, when I think about made with a purpose, um, it is so important. Um, I, have a, I have an absolute passion to share, share with people God's word in a way they can understand because there's so much out um, among us, you're going to see it, especially today, that, you know, if you believe a lie, it, the effects of that have all kinds of a impact in your life. And, but when you understand who you are in Christ and who God made you to be, it will help you see incredible things. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I dare you to try to come up with a purpose or meaning for this life if you exclude God from it. That's why, that's why our world can be a little bit hopeless at times because our world, our, especially our culture, has tried to write God out of the equation. And when you write God out of the equation, there's a couple of things that happen. Number one, you have no purpose. Well, my purpose is to make a lot of money. Well, knock yourself out, but you won't ever be happy with it, right? The only thing that makes you happy with what you have is having him in your life, and then you can be real happy with anything. It's an incredible thing how that works. But it does two things. Number one, it gives you no purpose. And number two, in reality, you aren't really all that special. If you do away with God, right? You're just, you know, you're just one of the many, you know, in the gene pool. And some of you that are bigger or stronger or faster or prettier or whatever, you just happen to get a better chunk of the gene pool just good fortune for you. But other than that, you're not really all that special. And if you die, it really doesn't matter. It may matter to a handful of people, but in a hundred years, nobody will even remember. But if God does exist, he made you. And that gives incredible value. You're going to see that today. This is a powerful message, not because I'm sharing it with you, but because it's because the 
the truth that's behind what I want to share with you today could, could, could have huge implications in the way you think and live when you see it. It'll all make sense in just a minute. What I'm going to need to do today, I have a lot I'm going to throw at you, and here's, here's my purpose. I've got a lot of verses that I'm just going to throw at you for you to be able to write down and you can look at it later. There's not enough time for me to talk about them all. But I know there's enough there that if, if you'll hang with me through the first couple, then at the end it all comes together. It's just a, it's just a great, powerful, Genesis chapter 2 is just a great and a powerful look. Now, take a look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And this is, where, this is where I want us to begin. This will be the only verse that I'm centering everything around. But there'll be a lot of verses. Okay? But let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2. And it says there in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground. Okay? Just remember dust of the ground. We'll get back to that in a minute. And it says there that he formed him. And, uh, and that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, the word breathed into is the word for inspire. You know, we've used the word inspiration today kind of not the way it was intended. When we think about inspiration, when you say somebody's been your inspiration, what you're saying is, is that you've looked up to them or they've had impact on your life. But that's not what the word inspire means. The word inspire means to breathe, is, is to breathe into, okay? Uh, the word expire means to breathe out. So we use the word expire when someone has expired that we, we say that they've died, they've breathed their last, breathed out. But to inspire is to breathe life into, and it says there that, you know, the dust of the ground, we'll talk about that in a minute. God breathed in life, inspiration. Now, I think it also incredible to think about this is in the Bible, it talks about that God's word, the scripture, it says all scripture is given by inspiration. Well, what does that mean? If you use the way we use the word inspiration, it doesn't mean that much. But if you, if you understand what it means here in Genesis, I believe that's a direct quote from Genesis. When it, when it says all scripture is inspired, that would mean it's, God has breathed life into it. So his, word are, his words are life-giving. That's why I've always had such a passion for sharing God's word so that people can understand because it's life-giving when you can understand and apply it to your life. And so I remember all those years me sitting in church and the guy up there, I was just like, uh, you know, I was gone before he got started as far as personally. And I just, I just thought to myself, I, for those who really want to hear, I want to be able to share in such a way where you can hear and understand because it's within that that you can come to know Christ, but you can also grow in him. Why? Because his words, you'll see it a little bit more today, are inspired that his life was in them. It's interesting. But it goes on to say, he breathed, you know, the breath of life. And it says, it says, and this man became a living creature. Now, I do like the way that... Uh, that this translation that we're using 
has kept it all consistent. But it does, it does kind of limit it a little bit. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. It says, became a living creature. If you have an old King James, it says a living soul. And, uh, but either way is fine, but a being, a living soul, a living being. But I am going to use the word soul, but I'm going to point out a few other things to you so you can see. So today will be a little, I need you to hang with me here, okay? Because there's some things I really want you to know because there will be a, like an aha, like, ah, oh, at the end, if you've hung with me the whole way. All right. So it says became a living, a living soul. So there, there are three parts to you. Uh, and we're going to talk about them today. There's body, there's soul, and there's spirit. Body, soul, spirit. We'll talk about each one of them. But I think it's interesting too, that if you remember that you were created in God's image, Okay? All of you were created in God's image. So what does that even mean? Sometimes it's difficult to, to grasp and put it all together. But let me kind of let you in on something that might help a little bit. It's not going to answer all your questions. But obviously, if you understand that God himself has revealed himself to us in three ways. Okay? Father, Son, and, and Spirit, right? That, 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 that we worship, obviously, God. We worship one God, but it's been re, he's been revealed in three ways. When you think about Jesus, he is, he is God in the flesh, right? Emmanuel, God with us, right? The word became flesh, dwelt among us. That is Jesus then is, 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 is God in, the, in, in body form. Then you have spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, right? And so you have this same concept that might help, okay? But in reality, the Trinity is something that's really hard for us to grasp because how can three be one? Uh, I don't know, but when I think that you, when I look at you and say that you're body, soul, and spirit, you're not three different. You're just you, all right? So when you put that together, that helps a little. So I wanted, wanted to share that with you. But let's talk about, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about the body, okay? Let's talk about the body that we've been given. It is an amazing, it is an amazing thing. Let me tell you what you are made up of, okay? And this, this list is not exhaustive. I don't have enough time to be exhausted. We're going to hit the major elements. You basically bodily, you basically are just a handful of elements. In reality, you're just a, you're just a small pile of dirt is really what you are. I mean, I don't want to be ugly, but that is who you are. All right. Let me give you, let me give you a list. Okay. You've got a little bit of sulfur, a little bit of lime, uh, iron. Okay. You have enough iron, uh, to make up about about a dozen nails. I think that's fascinating, to be honest with you. You know, maybe me, I'm a couple of dozen nails. I have no idea. All right. But again, this is just who you are physically, your body. Okay? A couple of dozen nails, some phosphorus, just enough to tip about a box of matches. Okay? Not much. Okay? Magnesium, sugar, about 10 teaspoons. Okay? Uh, potassium, salt, about enough salt to fill a salt shaker unless you've been to a Mexican restaurant. Um, and then it's about a salt shaker and a half. All right. Um, oxygen, quite a bit of oxygen. And this is interesting. 50 quarts of water. You, you by and large are, 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 are just water, right? If we were to dehydrate you all the way down, there would be a nice little pile of dirt, rich dirt, 
fertile dirt, but dirt nonetheless. Okay, good, 24 pounds of carbon. And then what happens is if you mix it all together, I was gonna actually do this, but I thought it would be too big of a mess and take too much time. I was gonna get me a big pan, you know, and my chef's hat, right? And, and I was gonna pour it all in, right? And, and, and then I was gonna lift it up and say, here you are, all right? This is what makes it though so amazing. When you take that, that God himself could bring to life those lifeless elements and combine them all together and create something as incredible as the body in which you live staggers the imagination. One square inch of skin is more complicated than all the computers in our country. It's just amazing. When you think about that inch of skin, you think about five million cells, you think about pores that sweat, you think about nerves that allow you to feel, you think about the circulation. The average heart pumps 10 to 30 pints of blood through 60,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries. It just staggers the imagination of what God breathed into a little pile of dirt. Amazing, all right? The digestive system consumes about 50 tons of food in a, na- in a, in a normal lifetime. For me, it'd probably be a little more, maybe 60 or 70 tons, I don't know. You have an eye that's just in a marvel. I talked about that a few weeks ago. An eye that can distinguish so many different shades of color. A pupil that allows light in that you can see in a totally dark room. You can see, I think it was, it was just a small fraction of light, but then you can look up at the sky. You can see a candle a foot away, but you can also see the near uh, a star that's trillions of miles away and then have the brain that weighs about three pounds in order to store the information. It just is, it's a marvel, the body in which you live. 25 trillion red blood cells, 25 billion white ones for defense, ear that beats tens of thousands of times on the eardrum a second, and that you can stand over here and that somebody a ways away can call out to your name and you can register just by the vibrations in your ear who it is that's talking to you by the tone inflection of their voice. It's a marvel. It's just an absolute marvel when you put it all together. Which brings me to the question is, how in the world could all of that just happen from a handful of dead elements that life springs to existence? Guys, I don't reject evolution because I'm religious. I accept creation because it's, it makes the most sense. I mean, I'm serious when I tell you that. I'm not one that's just, well, I got to check my brain at the door. That's, I don't see how you can, I don't see how you can make the other walk. You know, it just is, anyway, that's not what today's about. So, so there's this thought then about who you are bodily. Psalm 139, David summed it up this way. He said, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And David had limited knowledge 
from his, obviously the study they had at that time of what the body was all about, not like what we have it now with the DNA and with all of the different systems. It is unbelievable when you think about it. And yet, the body is the, is the least valuable of who you are. Don't get me wrong, it is valuable. But it is the least valuable because it's temporary. It's just the house you live in, right? I find it incredible when you think about body, soul, and spirit. Those will be the three things we're talking about. I think about body, again, don't, don't get me wrong. I think you ought to take care of the body that God gave you. I think you ought to, I think you ought to do, do as well as you can, right? But I will tell you this. Don't spend the majority of your time making the body look good because that's not what's going to last. Because the body is not who you are. It's just the house you live in. Now, granted, I think you ought to make the house you live in look as good as you can. But I wouldn't be like the culture in which we live where people obsess over what they look like. Why? Because it's not as valuable as the rest of you. Right. And it's temporary. Right? You'll see it in just a minute. So body. Number two is soul. And let's talk about the soul. First Corinthians chapter five, verse one says, we know that if the tent or the house, okay, uh, that is our earthly home is destroyed. So we're talking about this body. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So when you understand this peace, when you understand this, this, this outside body, remember it, that's the appearance part. And yet, let me tell you a couple of things that are just little rabbit trails, but I, I want you to grab these. Because there's so much truth in what I'm sharing with you today. Again, y'all know I'm not saying that's because I'm sharing it. Just because it can, it can be so foundational for you personally. When you think about it, when you can grasp what I'm talking to you about today. But it's an incredible thing of how much and how many people rely totally on appearances to make judgment calls. In fact, be real careful if you're a believer here today. I can understand why the world around us does it because they absolutely obsess on the appearance of things. But you and I aren't supposed to be that way. Don't judge somebody for what they look like. Judge somebody for who they are. And to get to know who they are, it's going to take time to get to know them. Right? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart or the soul. That is who a person is behind the home they live in. And yet, I can't tell you, and it just shouldn't be among believers, but I think it to be one of the greatest problems among believers is their judgmental attitude toward each other. And we're talking about just, and it usually is just appearance stuff. And it's usually just, well, I know what they're thinking. No, you don't. Unless you spend time with them, unless you know them. It's interesting. Therefore, let's not, let's take care of who we are, not near as much. And again, don't remember. I mean, don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. Sometimes when I can stress something so much, people take it to the other extreme. You ought to take care of the home that you live in. 
You know, and every home looks better with a little bit of paint. I got no problem with that. Does that make sense? Again, I, I'm, please don't hear me say something I'm not saying. But what I am saying is, don't hang your hat on that piece. Okay? Look as good as you can. But your worth is not tied up in what you look like. It's who you are that's valuable. That's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What's he talking about there? Have you ever understood why he said that? Well, today you're probably going to understand it a lot better. What he's looking at you and saying, what does it matter if you gain all the temporary stuff you want? What does it matter if you get everything in this life you've always wanted, which most of you never will get? What, what does it matter? And then that is to sacrifice eternity for the temporary and lose his own soul. Interesting. So anyway, going back to this whole soul thought, remember this. In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 20, I just want you to, this is, this is good stuff for you to mark down for those of you that long to understand and know these things. Because it all is wrapped up in who you are. But in verse 20, during the creation, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. You see the word creatures there? That's the same word that it says when he breathed into life and man became a living soul. In fact, the word translated in the Greek in the New Testament, the same, is the word psyche or psyche or psychology. Psyche, that is who you are. That is how you think, those different things. That's what that word is, psych. Okay? Where we get our word psychology from and all the different things. So it says, let the waters swarm with swarms of living souls. Interesting. Look at verse 21, I believe. Okay. It says, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature. You see both the word creatures? That's the word soul. Same word that's used. You know, translators, I think, sometimes do us a disservice when they translate the same word in different ways. In this particular case, it's all creatures. And I'm not sure how I like creatures. I actually like soul better. But if you look at the King James, it translates soul here and then a creature here and it changes, but it's all the same word. It's the word psyche. I could, I could tell you what the word is in Hebrew, which is the original, but I can't pronounce it. All right? I don't know. There's something about my Southern Tennessee accent that doesn't allow me to pronounce certain words in certain ways. All right? So, so anyway, you have this, this incredible picture according to their kinds and uh, creatures, but it's the word soul. Now, verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living, the word is souls. So it's the same word. So I want you to understand that of the things that God created, body, soul, and spirit, I want you to know that plants have a body, but no soul or spirit. I want you to know that animals have body and a soul, but no spirit. You and I are the only ones with all three, and I'm going to tell you in a little bit what that means and what that means to you and how you need to see yourself. That's the big thing. Because when you believe a lie about yourself, when you believe the lie that I'm not special, I'm not really a big deal, there's really no worth in me, it's just a lie you're believing because you're comparing yourself with the appearances of the things around you as opposed to who you are in here. It's an amazing thing. You're going to see it in just a minute. So the soul, okay? What is the soul? When you think about 
And think about what, what does that mean? What does the scripture say about it? I want you to see that obviously since animals also have a soul, but remember that the soul of an animal is much more diminished than it is uh, in, in who we are and the way we were created. And you'll see how that You'll see how that means. Take a look then again, before I move to that, uh, take a look at Matthew 16. I want you to see it. Matthew 16, it says, it says, for whoever would save his life would lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake would find it. For what does it profit if you gain the whole world, lose your own soul? So when God created you, a living soul, and what does it mean there then that Jesus makes a powerful statement? And I believe to totally understand what Jesus is saying there, you've got to understand creation. We're going to come back to the, to the very end to that. But I just wanted to share with you where it was so you could find it. Now, what is the soul made up of? Three things. Three things. You've heard this before probably. If not, uh, then, then you'll, you'll see it now. All right, three things the soul's made up. There's mind, will, and emotions. Okay? Mind, will, and emotions. That is who you were created to be. And so much b between those three, and those three are not separate, they are together. They work in, and you'll see what I just mean. But here's the thing, Jeff, how do you know that? Are you just coming up with what some psychologist said? No, no, no. I'm going to give you verses, scriptures. Uh, I'm not smart enough to come up with stuff on my own, all right? I really am not. I don't want to be. I, I'm going to share with you in the scriptures how we know these exist and where they are. You'll see it in just a moment. But I want you to see within these three and I want you to see just a little bit. We don't have that much time. But I want you to see how it works in becoming who you are. In becoming who you are today. Now, there's one thing we're not going to be able to talk about is how that sin marred this. this. Okay? I mean, we, we're so whacked out in this world, we don't even believe anymore that sin exists. And that's just, I mean, it's like denying something that's in, in front of your face, you know? But I'll talk to you about, you know, the Bible calls it the fall and how, how, how we fell from who we were. So there are a lot of these things were the way it should be, but sin will mess those up in all of us, okay? In all of us. But let's talk about what the soul is. Mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. Take a look again at Psalm 139 and verse 14. I shared with this earlier, but there's a second half of it I don't want you to miss. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully, David said, and wonderfully made. We talked about our body when you used that. Look at this next piece. Wonderful are your works. Here we go. And David says, my soul knows it very well. So there's something about the soul that's the mind. Knowledge and understanding and learning. Right? So there's something about in the way that God created you, there's a mind that's part of the soul. Okay? Okay? And it's interconnected with the others. Lamentations 3.20, my soul continually, what? You can say it out loud. This is, is it's not a trick question. Remembers. What do you, how does a person remember? What does a person use to remember? All right, mind. So we've established the fact that the mind is part, is part of the soul, right? But one more verse, Proverbs 2.10, for wisdom will come into the heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Knowledge, memory, remembrance, wisdom. It's all part of who you are. What you've learned, what you allow into your mind will have huge impacts on you. Right? Things that you learn, whether they're truth or lies. The real key to it, and I'll, I'll kind of jump ahead just to spoil it a little for you. The true part of it is 
is that what is it you use to guide your soul, your mind? You'll see that in just a minute. So you have mind, and number two is the will. Will is wrapped up in, a, in choices. Uh, Psalm 27, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, right? So with, with mind and emotions, you have a will. That is, you make a choice. And you can also, which we're, we're not going to take the time to, uh, to look at, but you can, uh, you can take a look at Psalm 41 too. But what do we mean by when we talk about the, the will or the volition, if you will? When you, think about, when you think about the choices that you make, what guides the choices that you make? Well, uh, mind, facts, education, learning, but also your emotions. You know, you've heard people, you, you hear all of these, you know, these colloquialisms like, uh, go, you know, go with your heart. Okay? That's emotions. Right? Go with your gut. Okay? Reason it out. The answer's there if you'll just take the time to reason it out. That's your mind. So your mind and emotions feed into the choices that you make. This becomes who you are over the long haul. Keep hanging with me, okay? Seeing a couple of you glaze over, all right? <laughs> Hang with me because at the end, this will all tie together and you'll go, oh, wow, okay. So you have, this is not a psych class, I promise. Just, I want you to see it's all right here from the scripture. So you have this picture then of mind and will, the choices that you make. You know, I've always heard that we are the choices that we make, and, and a lot of that's the case, but what determines our choices? Obviously, our knowledge, understanding, learning, along with our emotions. Problem is, is that sin, sin has damaged those in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But the third one is, is, is emotions, okay? I want you to see this in the scriptures too. As soon as he had finished speaking, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 18, 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan, excuse me, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. In other words, they became best friends. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. But think about it. Love is an emotion, but it's not only an emotion. It's also knowledge, is it not? Because the more you know someone, the more you can love them, right? But it's also, as I've told you many times, love is a choice. If you have someone in your life that you don't love, it's because you've chosen not to love them. Oh, I just, I've, I've heard that's garbage all my life. Oh, I just couldn't help it. I don't love them anymore. Oh, that's just hogwash, right? That's just hogwash. Why? Because love is a choice. It's a choice that you make. Now, you may not want to love them. I understand. Sometimes people have done things that you don't want to love them anymore. I get that piece. But don't say, I just can't help it. You can help it. It's just hard. But all three of these are wrapped up in one another, right? Mind, will, and emotions. And David said on that day, 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 8, David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites and let him, I'd love to talk about this, but I just want you to see one thing. And the lame and the blind, he says, and, uh, and, and it goes on to say is that those who are, are hated by David's soul. Okay, there's another part of an emotion, right? David hated part of the soul. Emotions. You know, emotions are incredible things. And oh, Song of Solomon 1.7, tell me you whom my soul loves. So again, I think you're getting the idea. 
But I've taken this time to get you to see several things. Emotions are, emotions are good things, but to be ruled by them uh, is not very practical because emotions can be easily damaged. You know, psychologists talk to us today about damaged emotions, and I'm not sure they even know what they're talking about. But I will tell you this, there are things to call, I mean, if somebody in your life has really, really hurt you, it's incredible how it sometimes, you know, you'll meet someone else that reminds you of them, and then you'll automatically hate them, and you don't even know them. It's called a damaged emotion. Does that make sense? And obviously, when we talk about the spirit here just in a minute, you'll see how God can heal those when you allow it to be your guide. But let's get back to this. So anyway, this, is, this becomes who you are and how you spend your time and your energies and with these things. This becomes who you are. Now, which brings us to number three, which is what I'm going to call the spirit. Now, if you, if you like writing things down, this may be something you want to write down and chew on later, okay? With my body, I have consciousness of the world. That is, I know the world around me because I have this body with the senses and everything that can do it, right? Never be a drummer, but you understand what I'm talking about. I'm conscious of this world because of the body God gave me, all right? My soul allows me to know, to be conscious of myself. I exist. Mind, will, and emotions. But my spirit allows me to be conscious of God. It is something that he created you with so that you can know who he is. Now, guys, if you've been listening up to this point, you're about to see some things. If you haven't been listening, go back to sleep. You're lost. But if you've been listening up to this point, hang on. Because there's this part of us that he created us with the desire to know who he is. But remember this. Think on this. What is it that guides the soul? What is it that guides the soul? Something guides it. For most in our culture, you know, the master of my fate, the captain of my ship, and all this other stuff, that basically you set yourself up as the guide of your own soul. You know, I, you know I'm going to do what I want to do. And then so basically your mind, will, and emotions is that I'm thinking about what's best for me, right? I'm actually making decisions about what's best for me, and I'm going to do what makes me happy, mind, will, and emotions, right? So you got somebody who's on the throne of their own life, but that never really works out very well, right? Because what if you have damaged emotions? What if you think correct, incorrectly, and you're acting upon something that it's going to lead you down some real bad roads. Interesting. But everybody has something that guides, whether it's yourself, whether it's other people, whether it's some other type of God or deity or whatever. It's, it's who we are. It's that part of us. All right, let, me give you a, let me give you a couple of verses uh, on this one just so you see. Luke 142, uh, excuse me, 147. This is Mary when she said, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You see the picture? For, for those of you who have ears to hear, hear these things. My spirit, that is that which gives me God consciousness, rejoices in God my Savior. Hear what she's saying. This is when she found out she was going to be the mother of Christ. John 4, 23 says this, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father 
in spirit. It's that which makes you God conscious and truth. And you'll see more about what that means is because it's not about what is truth. Where does truth come from? Well, if you're God of yourself, your truth comes from you. So whatever I figured out with my mind, I'm just going to make that the truth for me. That's why you get some of the wacko stuff you get around us. Not being ugly, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Interesting. Interesting when you start seeing it all fall together. For the Father seeks those who worship him that way. Interesting. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I have found that people who have anything else that guides their soul, they're almost always bound by fear. A lot of times they don't let it be exposed. But anyone who tries to be the master of their own fate and the captain of their own ship, and I'm going to do, I did it my way, all that kind of garbage, I want you to know they're going to be racked with fear. Why? Because they don't have what it takes to actually know. Right? Interesting. For you did not receive the spirit of, of slavery to fall back into fear. Isn't that interesting? But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, we cry, Abba, Father. That's a whole other message. Look at this next one. Perhaps you've never understood this verse. But the Spirit, capital S. Now who's that? Holy Spirit, right? God. God the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit himself bears witness with not our body, not our soul, our spirit. That's incredible. That we're his, we're his children. Oh, unbelievable. When you put the, when you can put these things together, when you, and it's hard to, to share this verse in Romans, but today's the perfect day to share it with you because we're talking about body, soul, and spirit. But there is a distinction throughout the Bible about these three. And his spirit that bears witness with our spirit. Guys, I want you to understand you're not a believer today because you said some prayer when you were 12. You're a believer today because you put your faith and trust in him and your spirit became alive. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. Listen to this. What does the Bible mean that you were dead in your trespasses and sin and you've been made alive in Christ? What does that mean? You're going to see it right here. You're going to see it a little bit right here, but you'll see it a lot more in a couple of weeks. What does that look like? When you say made alive in Christ, well, I already am alive. Well, what happened to Adam when he sinned? It says, in the day that you sin, you will surely die. Well, did he die? He did, but not like you think, not body or soul. Oh, if you've got ears to hear, you're going, oh, I love it when I look out and I see about, I, I love that because that's the way I react. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks too. There's so much to this. This is introductory, really. There's so much to this, but it can really allow you to see who you are in him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify, that is make you like him, sanctify you completely. And look at this. And may your whole, what? And, and, they're all three of them right there in a row. That is you. You. 
may all of you be kept blameless to the coming of Christ. Now, oh, looking forward to share this with you. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Now, this is one of these verses that you just go blowing by. I know I always have. You know, because for years and years and years, I don't do it as much anymore because I try to do other things, but years and years and years, you know, there are, you know, 31 chapters. I'd read a chapter of Proverbs a day, and I'd go blowing by this, right? And, and it says here, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all of his innermost parts. Okay, that's great, great. He searches, he searches all of us. But you know, sometimes you got to stop long enough and ask yourself a question. Number one, he's talking about the spirit. So he's distinguishing a certain part of who we are. Not body, not soul, but your spirit. So the spirit, your spirit, listen is equals the lamp of the Lord. You ever thought about what that meant? Well, first of all, you have to ask yourself, what's a lamp? I know that's ridiculous, but think, but play with me here, all right? What's a lamp? Not what a lamp is today, you know? Click, click, or, you know, God forbid now. Oh, let me turn that lamp out. You know, it's incredible. But anyway, I'm off track. All right. What was a lamp back then? Well, a lamp was a, usually some sort of a vessel. It was a gourd, you know, that was hollowed out or some sort of pottery that was shaped in a certain way. Now, so if our spirit is the God's lamp, is that what that says? Then at that time, what did you fill the lamp with? Anybody have a clue? Oil, yeah. Some of you, all right, have ears to hear. It's already starting to dawn on you, okay? Let me, let me share all of it with you. All, everywhere in the Bible, what does oil represent? Holy Spirit. Yeah. God's Spirit. The oil of gladness and all of the rest. All right? Now, it also does reflect healing, too. Oil does in Scripture. So, so when you think about then that we are his to be filled. Have you ever understood what I mean to be filled with the Spirit? Put the verse back up there. This gives you a picture. If you've always understood, well, they mean filled with the Spirit. I think that's a charismatic thing, isn't it? No. It's a scriptural thing. What does it mean to be filled? It means to have a vessel that's acceptable to be filled by God, his Spirit. Now, how does a vessel get acceptable because of what Christ did at the cross that makes it acceptable? So when he fills you up, that becomes your guide to your mind, will, and emotions. And you don't follow it because you have to. You follow it because you want to. Because you're his. When I hear people say, well, you know, I can't believe I'm a Christian. I have to. And they start listening to all of them. I wonder if they really even are. Because I found that those who are truly in him, doesn't mean we don't have sin. Doesn't mean we don't have temptations. Doesn't mean we don't make the bad, wrong decision. But I have found that it becomes your desire when you're filled with who he is. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But then what happens? What, does, what is a lamp used for? Light, all right? Now you begin to see all the other things like at Christmas time. You know, John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and, and that life was what? The light of men. So again, it just all 
If you're with me, you're seeing it. It's incredible to find out who you are. You are unique. You are valuable. You are created in his image. And he longs for you to know who he is. You are so valuable. We're going to find out why he had to do this in a couple weeks. That he sent his only son on your behalf so you could be an acceptable vessel. Being made right in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are total, for they are, for they are total foolishness, folly to him. Well, that just makes sense. The person who has other things that guide him or her, they laugh at what we're talking about today. You could be laughing at what, well, the Scripture said you would be laughing. I mean, I don't want to be ugly, but that's what it says. The natural person won't accept these things, the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. He's not even able to understand them. Why? Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. Does that make sense? That's why you talk about being lost. I can't see. And then some people have such arrogance that they believe if they can't see it, it must not be there. See, that's where that all comes from. It's incredible. When thing, that's why I wanted to spend the time today to make sure you understood, because there's so much that builds from this foundation that we're talking about today. Okay, and then it goes on to talk about the, you know, the spiritual person, and it goes on to talk about that, you know, that we have the mind of Christ. It just is neat things, but we're running out of time. Okay. All right. So when we, I'm just about done. So when we put these together, that you were created this way, is that you sense the, the valuableness. The body is valuable, but it's not near as valuable as, as your soul. For what does it profit? Jesus said. A man, if he gains the whole world and loses, and loses his own soul. Wow. It just makes that verse come alive when you, when you talk about the context we talked about today. I have a story and then I'll be done. My former pastor used to tell this story all the time, and, and I don't think I've ever told it to you, but um, I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't matter. And you'll see what I mean, but you can see how it definitely probably was true. But there was this man a long time ago, right? Back when the immigrants were coming to our country. Of course, they're still coming to our country. But back at that time, in, in old, they were coming. And he was from the old country. And so he was going to board a ship. And so what he did was he liquidated all of his wealth. because And he knew he couldn't just carry these bags and bags and bags of cash. So what he did was he bought a diamond. One diamond. So he could liquidate all this wealth into something small. And so that he could transport it across and then sell it. And, and, and so that's, so he gets on this, on this ship and he's getting across and, you know, every once in a while in his room, he'd get out the diamond and he would, you know, he would look at it and watch it sparkle. And, and then as human nature takes you, you take it outside your cabin and show it to other people. And everybody goes, Ooh, and ah, you know, look. And, uh, and then you look up at the, 
you know, and you show everybody. I don't know, there's something about us that love it when people around us ooh and ah. I don't know what it is. But you put it up in the sun, you know, and it has all the little sparkles. And then he takes it over to the rail of the ship, you know, and, and everybody's going, oh, what are you doing, you know? And you're looking at the water, right? And then you're seeing them react, and, and then you're going, <laughs> he, he threw it up in the air. And he caught it. And they were like, <gasps> just like you did. <clears throat> and you know, especially for guys, you got to throw it higher next time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm telling those guys, but I don't know why we're like that, but we are. Not saying girls aren't, but you know what I mean. So he throws it up, ship lurches, and you know what happens. Down to the bottom it goes. And everybody looks and says, how foolish. How foolish. How could this guy be so foolish as to gamble away his net worth? And yet I think of Jesus' verse, and I look at it the same way, that people still to this day are gambling away something a whole lot more valuable. So what is it going to profit you if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? Because your body was created temporarily, but you were created for eternity. Why? Because you were created in his image, and that's who he is. Incredible to think about. Guys, this isn't about a denomination or a church. This is about God creating you and your relationship with him. And I want you to know that's what you're looking for, but I wouldn't be gambling it, throwing it over the edge. Why? When it's the thing you very much look for. So if there's never been a time you put your faith and trust in him, again, I'm not trying to get you to join anything. If you've been to hear me very long, I don't do that. Because I found out if I can talk somebody into something, somebody else can talk them out of it. So it's not about being talked into it or out of it. It's about seeing it for yourself and understanding it. There's never been a time when you've understood just how valuable you are to him. Then there'll be some people down here afterwards that love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith and trust in you. All right? God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Come on up, David, and close us. I'm heading to the guest reception. If you're a guest today, um, and I know we have several of you, please stop by. It's just right out the door. You'll see us in there. We have a little gift for you, a little mug and some other things, but we'd love to meet you. All right, but God bless you guys. Looking forward as we continue on uh, in this series uh, through this first part of Genesis. God bless. All right, love you guys. David, why don't you close us?